A year ago, the world changed completely. We really weren't sure what businesses were gonna thrive, or really, let's be honest, survive. So I wanted to know how entrepreneurs and organizations were positively pivoting their businesses in this unknown world. Now it's been a year and people are continuing to thrive and come up with unique ways to have their business and have their organization do the things that they used to, but just a little bit differently. Welcome to season two of Coping 19. Never in my lifetime did I ever think that I would see Broadway closed for an entire year. My career started in theater here in Vancouver. I am theater trained actor. I've been in a few productions locally and it is my passion. And it's my passion that led me to broadcasting, which is just a different kind of performance. But I don't think that I would have been able to find the love of broadcasting without finding the love of theater first. So it's near and dear to my heart. I still have friends in this beautiful art form and the pandemic has really rocked this industry. Right here locally in Vancouver, theaters are closed. There's no way to do live performance. We kind of dabbled a little bit when restrictions were lifting. There's a little bit of combination of virtual, limited audiences. We're all still trying to figure it out. But one huge place for the performance of arts, of course, is Broadway in New York. And for them to be closed for over a year, it's crazy. I was looking at the latest Yahoo Finance stats uh, for 2019, and they said in the year of 2019, 50 million people saw a Broadway show. And that as of 2019, it is a $1.8 billion industry Broadway is. So to lose all of that in the last year is... It's crazy and so many people aren't working and it's not just the actors, it's restaurants right around the area of Broadway, it's people behind the scenes, the costumer, the lighting designer, the stage manager, all these moving parts to making a Broadway show. This is a huge industry that's not there at the moment. So how does Broadway rebuild? That's why I had to talk to somebody from New York and I have the pleasure to talk to co-producer of a Broadway musical, Lisa Morris, and she co-produced the musical Prom, which you might recognize because they did make a movie version recently, and it is on Netflix. I did binge it the other night. It is super cute. Um, I enjoyed the movie very much, but she co-produced the Broadway version, so I'm very excited to hear her thoughts on how Broadway is going to rebuild and what it's been like in New York in the last year with Broadway being closed. Let's say hello to Lisa Morris. Hey, Lisa, how are you? I'm great. Okay, everybody has a start to their journey. My journey for broadcasting actually started back at church in different musicals. So I always love to know what is someone's background. So Lisa, where did you get your start to where you are now today? Sure. Well, I was lucky. I had a father who is a huge fan of Broadway. So from the time I was five years old, I grew up in New York. Uh, my parents were taking me to theater. The first theater I ever saw was Fiddler on the Roof, and I just fell in love with it. I then started acting as a child. So I grew up doing theater and uh, opera at the Metropolitan Opera Children's Chorus. And so I was just always in love with theater. 
When I was 13, I saw Les Miserables, and that was the moment I decided that theater was going to be my career. Uh, There was nothing else for me. I didn't even consider another life. It was going to be theater, and it was going to be Les Miserables specifically. (laughs) So that's kind of how I started. And I was lucky enough to get to do Les Miserables, which was great. That was a real dream come true. But I I started out, I spent uh, the majority of my teens and 20s doing Broadway and touring and international productions. Then I started a travel company servicing Broadway touring, so booking all of the hotels and logistics for Broadway. And then after I sold that company, which I do still run, I then started investing and then eventually co-producing Broadway. I also had a brief stint as both a casting and talent agent. So essentially, Broadway has been my world for as long as I can remember. I love it. I think as performers or people in the performance industry all have that one show where we're like, yes, I need to make my way into the arts. I have to make this work for me as a living. Like you watch that one show and you're like, oh, this is what I need to do. For me, I think it was Annie, which is pretty common for a lot of little kids, I think, for them to be like, oh, I want I want to be Annie. I, w- I want to be in the show or shows like it. So it is a pretty magical feeling. Let's head back to last year, which I know was a very hard year for many people. And I think at first when we were hearing the, the news, especially over here in Canada, a lot of us were like, it just doesn't feel real. So what was your first thoughts when you heard, okay, Broadway is going to temporarily close. You know, it sounds cliche for an industry whose whose basic slogan is the show must go on, to be told that the show cannot go on was truly unbelievable. You know, shows have shut down for a day or two with a snowstorm type of thing, or obviously around September 11th for a little bit of time or over union strikes, but never all of Broadway all at once, the lights and the heart of New York just goes dark. That was really shocking. And even the surrounding businesses, like going to Sardi's right next door in the heart of Broadway, it was like everybody was at Sardi's and then nobody was. You know, it was just, everything was gone. The image that you just painted of all the lights on Broadway going dark is so powerful. It seems like something out of a drama or a horror film. It does not feel real. So fast forwarding till now, did you still think Broadway was going to be shut down a year later? You know, I I worried that it would be. Uh, I never really thought that theater could come right back because it's an industry that involves having to be close, touch, sweat, dance. You, you can't really do that socially distanced. It's not an art form that works socially distanced. The whole point of theater is the energy of live performance. So yes, you can take something theatrical and turn it into a a stream or a film, but it's not the same thing. It's the energy exchange between an audience and performers that makes theater magic. And you can't have a large group of people sitting in a small space together during COVID. So I had prayed that it wouldn't last this long. And I had hoped that people would be responsible and stay home and wear masks and we'd get through it a lot faster than we did. But yeah, I kind of knew that theater was going to be one of the last industries to come back because the nature of it just requires an environment that cannot be socially distanced. Yeah, you're right. You can't really socially distance the performers or the audience. I was actually just reading an article in Forbes and they were talking about the future of Broadway and they were saying how Broadway was one of the industries that actually didn't pivot to a online digital platform 
like the sporting world did, but sports a little bit different. Everyone already goes to a pub or watches at home and they watch the sporting uh, games on the big screens. Theater is not the same medium. And they note that in this article too. They said it's not something that can really be replicated virtually. You can do live performances. Some theater companies in Vancouver have tried that, but it's not the same. You've got to sit there and get that kind of theater chill of like, ooh, I, I, I want to be up on that stage or, oh, this is so great. Like you're feeling everybody's emotions and it's just totally different. And I think virtual platforms have their place. And yes, we can have a little bit of virtual theater, but I don't know if it's something that can be used all the time. The Actors Fund used it as a great platform as a way to raise money during this terrible time so they could sustain their members. Many people that had tape performances were able to negotiate the rights to stream them. Doing theater virtually is never going to be the same. There were many people that did like Zoom theater, right? They all sat in their own homes and yet they interacted and they played around with the cameras to be able to do a play or to continue to create new work. But it's just not the same. I would say the one thing that was really extraordinarily creative that might stick around is the fact that a bunch of kids on TikTok created the Ratatouille musical. Uh, I don't know if you're even aware of that. <laughs> no, I didn't know about that. It sounds awesome. So creative. I wish I was creative like that sometimes. Like these kids just decided to make this random musical up of like the Ratatouille movie and everybody would make up their own number. And then people got so excited about it that they ended up putting it all together and doing it as a one night only benefit Broadway spectacular with a Broadway cast for the Actors Fund benefit. But uh, or maybe it was Broadway Cares, but I, whatever it was, the charity, I think Actors Fund, these kids made up three minute songs on TikTok or 30 second songs, and it actually became a show. And I do think that Broadway producers noticed that and they realized that if you really want to build a younger audience, having a new way to collaborate and create, that's not a traditional way of getting something to the stage. TikTok was really original. And I think that might continue. I think there might be other shows that sort of start on TikTok. It's interesting that you say that because I actually was just watching a documentary about Hamilton and they were saying years ago when Lin-Manuel Miranda arrived on the scene, a lot of the storylines on Broadway were more in the fantasy genre and they were skewed to a little bit of a older audience. But once he arrived on the scene with In the Heights and then eventually Hamilton, he injected new young blood into the art form and because he used the mixture of like hip hop in musicals. So it's great to see these young kids using TikTok and coming up with creative ways to again, inject this uh, younger blood into creativity and coming up with uh, different things that maybe we wouldn't normally see on Broadway. So I think it's great. Well, I think it was more just of an equalizer of being heard. I mean, typically for anyone to hear the creative work of a composer or an author, a playwright, you have to know people, there's agents, there's channels, you know, it's interesting to see a social media platform be like an audition right? To have something where you just did it yourself and people discover you. I thought that was that was different. I don't think it's how most shows will work because there's a, a real craft to theater that you can't just naturally make up on TikTok. But it was inspiring to see that these kids that loved theater didn't let it stop just because the world shut down. They found another way to be creative and use theatrical uh, storytelling to do it. And I loved that. 
Yeah, I love that idea. I think that's one thing that COVID has taught us. And I've talked to a few people in the performance industry about this. It's like it's given us the time to sit, write and create and have that time to come up with really creative ideas where we wouldn't before have the time because we're like, go, 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 go. But now we have time to sit down and reflect. And I think it's a really beautiful thing. And we're going to see a lot of cool ideas come out of this. You know, there are Broadway streaming platforms that existed before, but during COVID, they became massive companies. They really, really took off. There was a company created called Broadway Plus that allows Broadway actors to monetize their fan base, you know, everything from recording a message to them to teaching a master class so that it was you know, a new way for them to survive during the shutdown. There were a bunch of costumers and wardrobe people that used a big rehearsal studio to sew gowns for PPE when there were shortages. So they came together and used their sewing skills since they weren't making costumes and they sat there and they made gowns. So the Broadway industry is very creative and will always come up with ways to use their creative arts and skills to do something. Yeah, I saw that, that a lot of the costume designers were creating PPE for the hospitals. And I love that attitude. It's the theater attitude of the show must go on. Everyone is a team member and you're gonna do what you need to do to get through a situation. Well, unfortunately we are losing businesses though. People were volunteering their time, they weren't being paid. So, you know, yes, there are the obvious people, the actors, the directors, choreographers, stagehands, stage managers, but there's also the company manager, the general manager, the publicist, the marketing firm, the travel company like mine, the shops, that the dry cleaning, right? They're all of these businesses that are completely reliant on that as their primary client. That is their industry. That's who they serve. And they all got affected. And there were many, many, many businesses that can't make it, can't make it a year without selling dance shoes, without cleaning the costumes, without having any industry, you know, um, scenic shops, pyro shops, they do all the special effects. I mean, everybody was shut down. And there are so many industries tied to Broadway beyond the performers that I don't know that everybody understands how many jobs this really Yeah, was. this is the thing that it's just not the theater show that has been affected. It's all the businesses that make the theater show possible or operate around the theater show, like restaurants. And I never even thought about like the dry cleaner. Of course, the costumes need to be clean. That's a huge industry. And I really hope a lot of these businesses that make their income on Broadway can really stay around. It, it, it's a really hard thing to look at. Like, I just hope it all works out. There are so many industries exactly like that, that their primary client is Broadway. And when Broadway is shut, their business is shut. So let's touch a little bit about that, because I was hearing articles of different businesses closing. Some of the Broadway shows that thought they were coming back after the pandemic have said, no, we are going to close now and not reopen. A lot of actors have moved home to other states because they can't afford to live in New York City. Do you think a lot of these people are going to come back and create the businesses or be part of the shows once the pandemic is over? I'm less worried about performers leaving New York because they left because there's no work and it's expensive. But when the work returns, they'll return or there will always be a new crop of talented people that love Broadway. So I'm less concerned about that. Now, some people, their timing would have been horrible, right? If you were a dancer and you maybe had two years left of your dance career based on just age and, and what the body does, some of them that might, they might not be able to come back, right? It's, it's like an athlete that doesn't get to train for so long. So I think, but most, most performers who've left, 
if they want to come back, they can come back. So that's less of the worry. I think the bigger worry is the exceptional cost that it takes to produce a Broadway show. It was already an extraordinarily difficult thing to actually make a profitable show work because there's only so many seats in a theater. You can only sell tickets at so much of a price before you price people out. I mean, Hamilton was an anomaly selling four or $500 a ticket tickets where they were making a lot of money, but many shows are discounting tickets to begin with. Now you have to add on the additional costs of refitting the theaters, changing ventilation systems, adding the cost of PPE, adding the cost of testing for everybody. Where's that money coming from? That's a whole extra cost that's going to happen. Um, where do they put the patrons during intermission when they use the restrooms? You know, are the crowds going to be allowed? So I think the Broadway industry as a whole realized they can only really reopen when you're allowed to sell 100% of your house. Because if you can only sell 25% of your house, you cannot financially make Broadway work. It's impossible. So I think that's a challenge. I think there is a cost. Many people are not aware. Broadway is heavily union regulated. And there's an enormous cost just to put the show back up. So even if the show had been running in that theater for a decade, they shut it down to get it back up is easily a million dollars just to get it back up. And that's if people are buying tickets. That's just an extra million dollars most shows will have to come up with while they've been dormant for over a year. Insurance is another big issue. Most of the insurance companies now have decided, well, we're not going to cover pandemic cancellation. What's the most likely cause of theater canceling again, pandemic. So if we're not able to get the proper insurance, like that's, I'm sure, a huge worry. So there's a lot that's going to go into being able to reopen Broadway, not just safely, but profitably. That's going to be a hard, that's going to be very hard. Yeah, I just saw an interview with a Broadway producer about that. And they were saying that unless you can have a full house, Broadway shows don't really work because you need to be able to fill every seats to generate enough money to do the production. So they said the only way that a half capacity theater would work for social distancing purposes would be to scale back the productions and basically scale back on all the production values and make them a more simple show or cut down on the cast as well. Do you think this is something we are going to see um, in the future to get Broadway back up and running? some shows deliberately chosen for a season that are smaller in nature without affecting the quality of the show. So you might see more theater owners and more producers looking at, you know, what's a great play that has two or four people in it as it's written, not to, not to downgrade a show from what it is. I think there's a real danger if you decrease production value. If you look at a show like Moulin Rouge, it's big and beautiful and splashy, and that's what makes it magical. If you were to do that same show, you know, in a black box theater with bare costumes, it would not have the magic. But there are other shows, like Chorus Line, where you really just need a mirror, <laughs> and, you know, you, you can do it in a much more basic way. So I think there might be more of a focus on what shows can you do where you can still do the absolute highest quality that you expect of Broadway and you don't dilute the quality, but maybe you don't pick the shows that have a cast of 40 to reopen. Maybe you try to find the shows that are, are more simple or heartfelt or a smaller cast. I, I don't know, but that's, I'm sure on everyone's mind is going to be what show has a chance of running and staying safe backstage, but nobody wants to take a beautiful show and do a scaled down version because that just, 
Then you start getting into why would anyone pay to go to Broadway? They could go to a local theater and see a more scaled down production of that show in their own city, in their own place. I think people expect Broadway to be the top tier. Yeah, I agree. Any Broadway musical that I have seen that has come to Vancouver, like Wicked or Phantom of the Opera, I can't imagine them without their special effects. And it just wouldn't be the same if they had scaled down their productions. Exactly. And and uh, I don't see a show like Wicked scaling down. But a show like Wicked is in a better position than most shows because a show like Wicked is already a branded, successful hit show. So they have a built-in fan base. They've also been successful financially. They've already recouped their initial costs. So they were already in profitable status when the shutdown happened. This will still hurt them. It will hurt every show. But they're coming from a stronger position than a show that was still building its audience or hadn't yet opened because those shows are always in the position of having to repay their capitalization first before they're profitable. That's all shows. So depending on the stage of where the show is at, a show like Wicked or a show like Hamilton that already have financial success will have a much better chance of being able to sustain even if ticket sales initially are weak because they already have reserves of successful profit. Yeah, you bring up a great point. I don't think a lot of people realize the financial part of Broadway shows. Like a lot of people think like, oh, if you're on Broadway right away, you're successful. But a lot of those shows until they gain momentum, gain a fan base, you know, their ticket sales start to go up. It's a long road and they have to, like you said, they have to pay a lot of money back to you because they've taken out loans and they've had investors and everything. Broadway shows do not come for free. So I don't think people realize until you really have a hit on your hands, it's a, you know, it's a lot of uncertainty. Absolutely. I mean, a Broadway musical typically capitalizes anywhere from $9 million to $30 million. And that cost has to be paid back before you're ever profitable. And so a show can sometimes take two or three years of running before it's profitable. And that's if you're running at a decent um, ticket price. And so it's it's a very challenging thing. But, you know, when, when a show is a hit, it's a mega hit. So I always look at theater almost like venture capital, right? You know, you, you go into it knowing a certain number of investments are going to fail, a certain number are going to essentially break even, and then some are going to be mega unicorns that have huge returns. And and it's really a blend. But nobody can really predict what show is going to capture the heart of the audiences. And it can change during different times. It'll be interesting to see what kind of entertainment people really want to come back to after this pandemic. You know, do they only want escapist, light, fun, happy, you know, singy dancy shows, or they want something that's serious? Do they want things that are addressing what's happening in the world? And it's really going to be interesting to see what shows kind of hit a nerve of the audiences when life is returning. (laughs) As long as there's no musicals about Zoom, I'm so tired of Zoom, which I think everybody is. I think we all are. But you know, there's also been a huge, if you think about during the pandemic, what's happened in the country, there's more attention than ever before on diversity and inclusion. And I think that you're going to see a lot more work from people of like authors that are people of color and uh, performers. I think you're going to see a lot more diversity. I think there's going to be a wider emphasis put on the need for that. And that's going to also uh, be very interesting to watch. I agree. I think that's something positive that came out of COVID is we will see 
more inclusion and more diversity in theater and more works by different voices. And this is the time we need to hear different voices and see different types of shows coming to the theater. Absolutely. Like I said, you know, I do think Broadway will be back because I do think that no matter what happens in the world, nothing, technology is amazing and it can keep people connected. And I'm, I'm happy that shows have streamed. So people that live far from New York or maybe don't have the money to go see a Broadway show get to experience it. But there really is nothing that's going to ever be the same as being live, feeling that energy exchange. And I think that that need for human connection is never going to actually go away. Um, it's it's just not. I think the more digital the world becomes, the more of a need people will have to actually be in something together with their phones put away, not looking at a screen and having to be engaged. I really worry about schools not having drama programs. That's a huge issue in America. A shameful amount of schools don't have any kind of a drama program. That to me is an American tragedy. It really is. Because theater trains kids for almost anything. Public speaking, the ability to work as a team, to have a creative outlet when your hormones are raging. There's so much that it brings. And I, I just feel terrible for kids that are not getting that as part of their education. That's shocking to me. If I didn't have my drama program in my high school, I don't know where I'd be in my career. Like that definitely shaped the road that I'm on today. Something else I wanted to touch upon that when I read the stat, I was like, I'm not even sure how this is going to work in a few years. But Broadway relies on 65% of tourism. And with all the border closures, if Broadway starts to reopen in the next few months, if borders aren't fully open around the world and a lot of people aren't traveling from other countries, do you really think that Broadway can reopen successfully without tourism? Yes, you can still have tourism within your own country, but that still probably won't make up the numbers that international travel combined with local tourism within the United States makes every year. That affects both of my industries because in the travel industry, I mean, the New York hotel industry has been devastated. I've never seen anything like the low occupancy levels in New York and people's real estate values are, are falling. And I think one of the biggest problems that New York has is that there has been a 24-7 news cycle commercial, in my mind, against New York City. You know, you never see all the articles about the amazing things that just pop up in New York and how people come together. All you read about on the news is the sensational stuff like, oh, everyone is scared and everyone's leaving the city and everyone's fleeing to Florida and Texas where things are open. And I feel like they've just been advertising that like New York is not a place you want to go. And I think that that's, I think what the city needs is another like, I love New York type campaign. I mean, after September 11th, it was all you want to be an American, you want to show support, come to New York, come see a show. And I think that has to happen again. I think people have to understand that when it's safe to travel, you'd better come to New York if you want a city like that to exist. And New York has a special magic that it does rely on tourism. And I can't imagine being a tourist and, and living in another country and thinking, I want to come to America and not go to New York City, right? That's crazy. So I do hope that New York puts in some money and time and runs a campaign again to show everybody why when things open again, New York is special. And that's what's different from Vancouver. I love Vancouver. It's an amazing city. 
I've performed there many times and I think there hasn't been a commercial against Vancouver. There's been a, we're shut down for safety and we will reopen when it's safe for you to reopen. But I don't turn on CNN and hear these horror stories of why you shouldn't go to Vancouver. But there's all of these stories of, you know, New York is dying and it's the 70s all over again. And it's just not true. And I do think it's gonna, the city's going to come back, but we need tourists to come back for the city to come back, not just for Broadway, but for the restaurants, for the nightclubs, for the museums, for everything. That's another topic that fascinates me because I love media. I'm obviously in the media. And I just always am curious about how media is perceived around the world because every time when I used to travel, uh, I would turn on the news. And it was interesting to see how each country perceives himself opposed to like what we see when we're at our homes and seeing the world displayed through our TV screens by our media journalists. So it just, it fascinates me. We could go on forever about it. Yeah. Look, the truth is when Midtown has been deserted, the Broadway is shut down and people are not coming to their office buildings. Midtown has changed. It is a really weird right now, but it's not going to stay that way when things reopen. It's weird because everybody that was spending money there, that worked there, and that was visiting sites is gone. So of course it feels weird. It's like a ghost town. But I don't think it's going to stay that way unless people are afraid to come back. That's going to be the biggest problem. And I think I think we need another Sex in the City or Seinfeld or you know just Friends, you know the types of shows that filmed in New York or at least pretended to be in New York. That made people be like, I want to go to New York City. I want to see Central Park. I want to see, you know, the Empire State Building. And we need that. We need films to come back and film in New York. Uh, I've actually never been to New York. I've always wanted to go. I've always wanted to see a Broadway show. Of course, I've seen touring productions when they've come to Vancouver, but I need to go have that full experience. So as soon as the borders open, I'm booking a ticket. I'm on my way. New York is not a city that you can just replicate somewhere else. There are amazing cities all over the United States that have great culture, great restaurants, everything else. But the energy of New York City, love it or hate it, is a unique energy. And you're never gonna find the energy of New York City in Austin. I love Austin, went to college there, amazing city, but it's not New York. You're making me wanna travel so badly. Okay, another thing I wanted to talk to you about because I was watching an American news channel and they were saying that a lot of Broadway actors, their insurance is running up their health insurance. So they don't know what they're gonna do for certain medications and other health essentials that they need, how they're going to be able to pay for them and different treatments if their insurance runs out. It is a massive problem because, yeah, the insurance is based on the number of work weeks you do. And obviously you can't do work weeks when the show is are shut down. So everybody's having to sort of pay on like a COBRA type of plan, but even that runs out. And beyond the individuals, because that's terrible enough, but imagine the hit that the union equity, which is the union for, for actors, at least, the pension and health payments, they get paid into that system from the shows and the shows are closed. So no money is coming into those systems. So what happens if they lose everyone's pension? Right? I mean, they're going to run out of money. No money at all. Right. There's no contributions in. How long can they sustain that? So I think that's a huge danger. So everybody needs, you know, everyone knows they need to get back to work. Or they're going to have to really figure out how they can protect the pensions and the health 
benefits for all of these union members who have been shut down through no fault of their own. And it's not the producer's fault. So they can't be paying when their show is closed. But, you know, this is a problem that Canada, fortunately, with your healthcare system, Canadians worry about a lot of things, but usually their first thought is, oh dear, how am I going to ever see a doctor? It might be a longer wait, but everybody's covered. And here, when you're an employer-based healthcare system and your employment is shut down, and it's not like one company shut down, your entire industry has shut down, and there is no employable work weeks that pay into your health and pension, it's a terrible situation. Really frightening for people. Yeah, another thing that surprised me when I was watching different uh, news articles on this and different videos, a lot of Broadway actors that have been nominated for Tonys, you think, oh, once you're nominated for a Tony, it's like being nominated for an Oscar, you're going to be financially okay. But that's not the case. A lot of these actors said, hey, I actually had to go home and live with my parents again during this pandemic because I cannot afford, A, not to be working, and, and to be able to afford to live in New York City. So I there's a lot of misconceptions around this. So you think once you hit Broadway and you're starring in a Broadway role that you're going to be making tons of money, and, and that's not the case. Oh, yeah, no. Unless you are a star from a different genre. So you might be high paid on television and then you come and do Broadway. But if you're a normal Broadway performer, your wages are not anywhere close to being able to just sustain two years of not working. And very, very, very few people are actually Broadway stars, right? Like there are a few, somebody like maybe Nathan Lane or or Audra McDonald, but most, or Patti Lapone, but, but most people that are Broadway stars are still not making that kind of money. And if they are, they're usually making it from movies or a recording career or television. They're not making it on Broadway. You know, Bette Midler doesn't make her money from Broadway. I'm sure she's very well compensated when she does a Broadway show, but she was already famous. So yeah, it's, it's um yeah, I know a lot of, I mean, I know many, many Broadway performers that were top of their craft, starring in a show, and they're having to go live with their parents. Well, I really hope that Broadway opens soon, but I was reading an article the other day that said that they're thinking Broadway will reopen by fall of this year. Are you hearing anything differently? Yeah, I mean, de Blasio has said that he sees September as when they'll be allowed to reopen, but allowed and capable of are two different things. Um, I think it will be staggered. One or two shows will open, but all shows are not going to suddenly magically reopen. Um, I think November is more realistic, November, December. And the fact is that in, in good times, the downtime for theater is January, February. Those are always bad months and good times. So to try to reopen a show in January would be challenging. So I think some shows are going to try for like November so they can hopefully capitalize on tourists that are in for Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. I think other shows are going to wait until you know, middle of 2022, because it's just, it's not viable. So I think the only shows that are even going to think about opening before November are going to be those juggernaut shows that can afford to open at a loss. A show like Hamilton or Wicked, where they say, okay, we're going to lose money, but we want to start. We want to show everybody we're coming back. And they might just take that financial hit for a few months to be the first ones because they come from the strongest financial position. 
I don't know, you know, if a new show is going to risk opening in 21. I think some of them might push to 2022 because they know they really, when they open, they have to open strong. So my guess is, is November. But I think the city is saying that they'll allow it in September. My guess is November. We'll see. And here's the big question for you, which we really aren't going to know the real answer to until it happens. But I was watching the Today Show the other day and they had a psychiatrist on and they said that there's going to be a lot of re-entry anxiety when we start to get everything back to normal and people start going out again. And so it's going to be a real thing. So do you think a lot of people are going to want to attend a Broadway show and go back right away to sitting uh, shoulder to shoulder with strangers watching a show in a theater. Yeah, I don't know. I, again, I think that's a real, it's a real unknown. I think some people are dying to go out again and they're ready to like come out the minute the theater's open. I think a lot of other people are going to be frightened. And, and if you think about it, the Broadway audiences in general skew older. So if you're a senior citizen, you might be a lot more frightened now, even if you're vaccinated, than you would have been. And I I don't know. I do think that there's going to be anxiety. And it's also going to be how comfortable or uncomfortable is the experience. You know, if it's just you're wearing a mask and you're going to the theater, I think a lot of people will do it. But if it's like three-hour lines and security checks and temperature checks and then having to take a COVID check, if it's like getting on an airplane to get into a theater, is it worth it to people? Are they going to really go through all that? I mean, people go through it at an airport because they have to, because they have to get from one place to the other. But if you have a choice of sitting on your couch and watching something streaming or going through all of that to see a show, will they? I, I have to hope that people are so desperate to see something again and be out. Um, I mean, I definitely think concerts will do well. The ones that can be outdoors. I think everybody is sort of ready to go back to concerts and, and sporting events where there's bigger venues. But something intimate like theater, that's expensive like theater, I don't know yet. I really don't. I, I hope, I really hope that there's enough people that just say, it's been too long. I don't care if I have to wear a mask. I am sitting in this theater and I am feeling this magic and nothing's going to stop me. I hope, but I don't know. Oh, I miss live theater so much and I can't wait to get back to that day of watching a live performance. Okay. We know that the pandemic has been really hard on a lot of people, and especially Broadway. But was there anything positive to come out of COVID in the Broadway community? I think there were a few positive things. I think that one of the hardest things about deciding to dedicate your life to theater is knowing how unstable and difficult it can be. And I think that you sort of separate the women from the girls or the men from the boys in terms of people's actual passion and attachment to the art. I think if they were sort of on the fence, we'll have lost them. But if it's, um, if, if it's your life's blood, I think it's only strengthened it. So I think that's interesting. I think some people have sort of decided to jump ship permanently and others have had their um, love of theater strengthened. I do think that, as I said earlier, I think there'll be more focus and attention on new ways to, um, to present theater, new ways to distribute theater, new ways to create theater. I think there'll be more inclusion in terms of the stories that get told. And I think there's a, a resiliency there. I do think that that's come out of, uh, of, of this time is sort of a recognition that maybe there have been things that all along have not been working and haven't really been looked at. And we've had the time and the breath as an industry to start actually looking at it and actually working on ways to change or grow. 
I think people are more open to things that they weren't open to before. In the same way that companies weren't open to working, having employees work from home and now they see that it kind of works. I think a lot of Broadway people just sort of felt like, oh, we don't want to ever stream a show and put it out there to the masses because it could decrease from our audience base. And I think that that attitude has sort of changed. I think people say, all right, you know what, let's find ways to make theater as accessible as possible to as many people as possible. So I do think there are some positives to come out of it. I think a lot of people had to dig deep and find um, side hustles and other creative ways and maybe strengthen their skill sets, learn something new during the pandemic. But really, there wasn't that much that was positive when it comes to the pandemic and Broadway. I think that this was I guess maybe the positive is if we can get back from this, we can get back from anything. So I think that I think there's a real need to show that the show will go back on. And and, um, I think perhaps it'll be stronger than ever because there's going to be more cooperation, collaboration and willingness to do things differently than it's been done in the past. Amazing. I'm really excited for travel and theater to come back. I know a lot of people are and I just really can't wait. So I'm so glad that I was able to talk with you today. So thank you so much for taking um, time out to talk to me about Broadway because, hey, it is an iconic world staple. And I hope it's here for many, many more years to come. Thank you so much, Lisa, for being on the show today. It's been so informative. And thank you again for coming on. My pleasure. That was another episode of Coping 19. For more information about the show, head on over to podcastconsulting.ca, where the show lives. And of course, you can find us on Spotify through that website, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the list goes on. If you want more information on how to create your own podcast or a podcast for your business to get more brand exposure, all that information is on the website podcastconsulting.ca. Or maybe you want to be a guest on season two of Coping 19. Feel free to head on over to the site and contact me, Jennifer Lee. Looking forward to speaking with you soon. Bye for now.